Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. I'm your host, my name's Aaron, and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy James. Hello there. And this week's no exception on the quest to find the greatest of all time. What are we doing, James? Well, this 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 week we decided to maybe, you know, there are external forces, mate. You know, the good and the bad, the Netflix and the Amazon, and we decided to, you know... Flip a coin. Yeah, just be like, let's see what films are there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not all episodes are winner. <laughs> not like last week where we went back to school and we recast our school headmasters and teachers and dinner ladies and janitors with famous film characters. And we've done other episodes on classic movies from the 80s like Highlander and He-Man. And, you know, we've done Star Wars specials and directors and all that kind of stuff. So we've done good stuff. Yeah, and then, then there's... then the, this This is the safe one, though. This is going yeah. back to... What is on the streaming platforms for anyone like myself this week? No chance was I getting to the cinema this week with work. Um, so it's just good. On Of an evening, what is out there? We took it upon ourselves to take a streaming service each. So I took Netflix, you took Amazon. Yep. Free movies. Free movies. Bring them to the table. I don't know what you've picked. You don't know what I've picked. Mm, so, and also I did before. <laughs> All right. Yeah. One up me, James. Well, as is my way, but I've also been to the cinema this week because I did have some time. In fact, I've been to the cinema twice, but I'm actually saving the Kingsman because it, it's quite... I'm a, an Odeon Limitless user. It would have annoyed me because I think Kingsman's coming out on Disney Plus like next week or already out. Okay. Or something ridiculous. And I, so if I paid to see it and then it was on the streaming track, I would be a little angry. But I guess that's the problem you have because you've got to get people in Disney Plus, so you need to get some new releases because it's the only thing that's missing. However, I saw the masterpiece that was Moonfall, but we're not going to talk about it at the beginning of the show because we want you to listen. <laughs> we don't want you to turn off straight away. So, yeah, so stick around for that at the end. Anyway, how has your week been? My week has been good. Um, one thing, though, James, is um, we didn't address it last week, is that I took some time away mm. and you did some house sitting for me. Yeah. Looking after the dog. I did. Technically, I'm your employer now. <laughs> I did need the job back then. But, um, what did I do? Well, James, I can't find my Star Wars mug. Do you know what? That's not on me. I didn't use it. Are you sure? I definitely Can't sure. find it anywhere in the house. I didn't use it. I used one glass and I took photos of your house so I could put it exactly the way it was when I left it. Yeah, but I'm not like... Not that no, you're not, no, you're not at all. But that was me being like, I'm not, no, that wasn't me. We Star Wars well, definitely. Yeah. Hand on my heart, that wasn't me. Keep my eye out for it then. I mean, I did poison your dog. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it's not no. a Star Wars mug, is it? Really? Yeah. Have you lost it? Yeah, I can't find it. If you've seen Aaron's Star Wars mug, <laughs> genuinely, that wasn't me. Um, yeah, no, my week's been good. I have finished the Reacher series on Amazon. <gasps> was it worth it? It was. I mean, it, it, it lost itself at the end. It was going to, the one. It was, it was Amazon. I mean, to be fair, it was it, it was as I remember the Killing Floor novel. Um, but yeah, by the end of it, it is cool. I, I was listening to a podcast earlier this week, uh, Fat Man Beyond podcast. And then we're talking about like Boba Fett series that's going on at the moment. Mm-hmm. is a real, to diehard Star Wars fans, it can be quite confusing because Boba Fett's an iconic character, bounty hunter, famous for not being having that much screen presence but yep. having this huge cult fan following and now we get more Boba Fett than we've ever ever seen before and we realise we preferred the Mandalorian yeah so much so that <laughs> the end of the season is pretty much just the Mandalorian uh, and the more we uh, some people are saying that the more they find out about Boba Fett in where he is in the book of Fett yeah you know why is he on Tatooine why is he want to be like the leader of this you know place and 
you know, he's he, he wants to be respected but feared and he doesn't do anything. And it's that, you know, whereas, and I was in that podcast and we're like, where's Reacher though? Reacher will shoot a man dead because he just, he's a bad guy. It's kind of like the Punisher. Yeah. You know, and he'll shoot someone in the back because, you know, it's the safest way to do it. You yeah. know, he's like, fuck it. This isn't, it, ironically. Bad, I'll shoot them. Yeah, ironically, he's like, these aren't the movies and I'm not a superhero. <laughs> if the villain's there, I'll shoot him in the back. I don't care. He's, so he's that kind of character, but he's big, strong, gorilla ape. Like, the first couple of episodes were really good. And I was like, I'm really into this. It's very much like the novel, very much like the Reacher that I've read. Um, and I think the Reacher that we wanted in the Tom Cruise movies. Mm. But I must admit, by the end of it, I was a bit like, oh, we're we getting to A to B uh. just like this, are we? And it kind of lost all that climactic, you know, how how kind of series start so vast and wide with so many questions and then they bottleneck towards them last two episodes. This, it kind of just did some massive leaps to get us to the last bit. And you're like, ah, that's a bit of a letdown, that. Oh, that's a shame. I, it's still on the watch list. I am going to watch it. It is good. And Alan Richman, uh, Richardson's uh, performance is worth watching. And it has been picked up for season two. Well, that's good. I, the thing is, you said as well with the books, I think they've also got themselves a bit of a license today to tell a, to tell an original story. I think it's okay for you to do that with characters that you love. And what I mean by that is I had a conversation today with someone about the end of Game of Thrones. I don't want to get into it and I'm going to talk about it. And they said it started getting crap before that because they started deviating from the novel. But when you do that, you are beholden to the novel, especially novels that haven't been finished yet. Yeah. And so I, I, I'm a big fan of... I actually believe that it doesn't have to be that faithful to the source material. The biggest example I use is the Silver Linings playbook. I've read that book. That book is nothing like that film, mm. but I really like that film. So um, Jack Reacher, going in different directions or do another, do the books that make sense. You don't have to do them in order. I don't think there's, you know, like a massive gathering of people that demand this in order. Chronological no. order for Jack Reacher. Nah. No, I don't think you need to. And and, it, and also it says at the beginning of the show, it says um, based on the uh, killing floor by Lee Charles and the character Reacher by Lee Charles. So, because they take certain characteristics of, the, of that character that you don't find out till much later yeah. and they put it in early. So I do quite like that. And do you know what I also really appreciate about the series is the 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 entrance, the, the theme... It, it just disappeared now. And, and I'll tell you, the first one I ever really noticed that on, it was probably 24 mm. or um, or Lost. I was going to say Lost was a big one because it just had that nice, oh, as the words Lost yeah. rotated. And 24 just had that jingle. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, but, and then we were in. And this one is just like lightning strikes. It says Reacher. And then a little bit more thunder. And it just says Barchard Lee Charles. And then we're in. And I was like, oh, I, I so don't miss Long Crook. Cross. I do if they do something a bit different. The biggest one being Guardians of the Galaxy 2. That's brilliant. When you're following Groot round. Oh, uh, no, no. That, that I mean, in films, sometimes it works. I mean, in a TV yeah. series, when you're binging it, and it's oh, like, true. When, when it comes up on Netflix, skip intro. And you're like, yes, because I don't need to watch that again. Scrubs, I remember when they used to have the extended intro, and I used to binge yeah. that at college. That was quite retaining. Yeah, I remember that one. Humans, like really great human beings that work in there, They, if you skip chapter, it would skip the, it would skip the intro. Not the people who made 24 series one, which is the worst box set in the world. Because if you did that, it'd skip 15 minutes. Yeah. And also, do you remember that if you left the DVD menu on and you didn't move it, that bloke went, That's right, I'm watching you. That terrified the piss out yeah, of me. You couldn't fall asleep and let it go back to the DVD menu. No. Or Jonathan Creek, and it just plays that sinister music. I've scared my mom loads of times when I was growing up just having that play. Jonathan Creek. Yeah, you do. That's such a good idea for a TV show. Yeah. I, even when I watched that as a kid, because I watched that, like, I was young when that started. Mm. 
you know, and it's only until I got much older that I realised he's he, he he's not a cop. He's a magician's yeah, assistant. Magician's assistant. <laughs> like he he creates magic tricks to fool people, and therefore he's best placed to figure out how the police have been fooled. That is genius. Was it Kathleen Quentin? I always forget the actress's name. It, to me, I miss her. She was the best. I miss Caroline Quentin. Caroline the, Quentin. Mm. That's for me. That was golden era. My best one's the Black. Widow, the one with the twin sisters and one of them got cut in half and they're yeah. saying that. I love that one. Oh, my mm. bit Jonathan Creek. And yeah, what I've what I got, uh, what, I can't remember what they're on. They're on Amazon. They're on, I think they're on Amazon or something like that. And I remember thinking, oh, I'm going to binge them. And I watched like maybe the first two and I was like, yeah. The I problem won't. is they are essentially a locked room mystery, but it just, the room changes. <laughs> mm. so that's eerily close to one of the movies I'm going to talk Ooh. about. But quickly, mm. I know you're a Sam Neill fan. Oh, yeah. I know you're a Laura Dern fan. Yeah. I know that you're a Jeff Goldblum fan. I am. I Who isn't? You, I know you hate the Jurassic World films because they're poor. I don't, I don't, I don't hate them. I just <laughs> like... Who cares? I'm, yeah, I am very much who cares with these movies. Like, I like dinosaurs. Yeah. And I like Chris Pratt. Yeah. I did like Chris Pratt. He, he, he's slowly falling he's, from grace for me. He is, but a lot of people are feeling that. It's just his... It's it just him. Mm. <laughs> um, trailer. Dominion, Jurassic, Jurassic World Dominion, which I'll be honest is a cool name, except for when it comes up in the trailer, it's like, soon they'll have Dominion over us. And you just know that some prick writer has just gone right for the trailer. Yeah. Right. Um, excited? Nervous. I'm not really, because that second one dropped the ball for me. The, fir the first one well, was mean, entertaining. You mean when the little girl let them all live? Because she's, that was the best bit of it. Because she's human too. I fucking, that wound best, me up best so bit much. Of it. That was the best bit of it. It was like, yes, it didn't go where you, good, let them fucking go. Because I think in the third one, and I've already said this to you, James, it should end with us all getting extinct. <laughs> there should be a, like, like just parallels that dinosaurs arrive and what... What are the odds, James? Is it just after they've been reincarnated and re yeah, another meteorite? Oh, what are the <laughs> just, odds? Like, it, I think that's what the film needs. What? Uh, there is a really cool scene, um, and it's reminiscent of. Do you remember in Jurassic Park two when um, I can't, Julianne Moore falls and she's on the glass and it's shattering? There's this really cool scene in the trailer where Dallas is just under the water and there's that dinosaur breathing looking for. Mm. I think that looks really cool. I love a little tension piece like that. Bryce Dallas Howard. Bryce Dallas Howard, thank you. Yeah, and but there's also the um there's oh. the scene where they're all stood there and the big T-Rex foot comes down. Yeah. And and don't go wrong, Spider-Man No Way Home has is has shown nostalgia is what gets people back in the cinema. Yeah. But I mean, come on. I, I would have much rather just seen the, you know, the original gang. The original gang in a fourth Jurassic Park movie, yep. not bolted on to the third Jurassic World movie. Yeah, it's, it's weird. I'm, I think I speak for everyone who is me. I just don't care. I really, I like the trailer, but I'm like, that's enough. I don't now need to go see a two hour film. I mean, I will, <laughs> I will watch it and I will enjoy it because at the end of the day, it's dinosaurs, it's going to be action. It's going to be people being stalked, chased and ripped apart by dinosaurs. I hope it ends with dinosaurs fucking, the big twist is that they, they overrule us mm. and they put us in cages. Yeah. You know, and that I hope I hope it goes down. It's that an intelligent it, well, well, how are they going to do it other than like terminate them all? They're not going to round them all up, you mm. know, or anything like that. And the trailer, it's like, oh, we need to learn to live in harmony with them. What I love about Except that is the big dangerous ones. Yeah, what, I love, what I love about that theory is maybe you should have thought about that, you know, in the last film, not just release him and then go. Maybe we should learn to live with it. Maybe you should have thought about that, you pillock. The last two have had moments of pure excitement and joy that I have liked. I, the last, the last movie, I liked the ending. I thought, fucking brave, go for it, do mm. that, you know. 
And also, I did like the kind of gothic ending of the last one. I quite liked that whole scene. It had, weirdly... Terrible storyline getting there, though. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Terrible. W- weirdly, it reminded me of The Crow at the end of that movie. <laughs> I can actually yeah. see that. And there's like, where there's like a Velociraptor on the roof. And you're like, how do we get to this point? I don't know. But I, I did quite like how the third act of the movie took a different style and approach to it. I mm. just... The thing is, it's two for two. So I'm going to go into this one apprehensive that there will be some good moments in it, but in the, across the, the across the whole, mm. maybe not for me. But I don't know. And you might not have seen this, um, but DC trailers just come out with their next phase of films. I did see this. I saw this just before you come around. Yeah, so Black Adam, we see Rock as the Black Adam. And do you know what? I'm going to say this now because I've had a bit of fatigue. And I moan about The Rock playing The Rock in films. Really excited to see him play Black Adam. And I'm, I'm, I know that makes me a hypocrite. But then you saw a bit of The Flash and I really liked it. Do you know what I was surprisingly excited for, mate? Aquaman. That's Aquaman. I fucking had no idea where that came from. I, was I, I know like, where it's come from. It's because you've seen a film recently, James, that has Patrick Wilson in it and now you're fanboying. That, that might be it. <laughs> yeah, that's probably... I've seen the picture of Patrick Wilson coming back for Aquaman 2 and he's uh-huh. he's put on some he's put on some timber. Yeah, but he needed to. Yeah, because in the last <laughs> film... It's just like, who believes this? Bearing in mind there's an ocean, there's a kingdom yeah. underground, and you're like, the most unbelievable thing is that he, Patrick Wilson beam in a fire. And then I remember someone telling to me, it's like, yeah, but you don't need muscle underwater. And I was like, it's a fucking comic book, shut up. <laughs> and they fight above water, to be fair. Mm. I do, yeah, that is true. I have everything in that movie, all the crabs, all, all, the, all the talking fish, all the, all the superhero shit, William Dafoe on a shark. <laughs> Ginger, Dolph, Ginger Dolph, Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> it was the fact that Patrick Wilson squared up to Jason Momoa and thought he could win. <laughs> drew, drew the line at that point. Yeah, it's bullshit, movie. mate. But um, fucking, hell, that was a, that was a, that was a tour de force. What did that film? Yeah, there's so much going on. I will watch the second of that. I, I Flash is the one that I'm most looking forward to. It does look very good. And I think they're bringing in, that's the one where they're bringing in like lots of different generations. People Keaton, are a lot man. of excited. That's what I'm So Michael about. Keaton apparently is, now I've heard that. Now I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, and one of the entertainment podcasts that I listened to was saying that um, the script from Hollywood is that because Affleck's out as Batman and he's not mm. he's not coming back, he didn't say I'm not coming back as Batman. He said I'm not coming back as any characters anymore. So he might as well have said I'm not coming back as Batman. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what they're on, what someone said, the the rumor from um, Warner Brothers Studios is that they Keaton will come back as Batman and will train Batgirl and then it will be a handover and Batgirl will be the main that sounds cool uh, caped vigilante of Gotham that's fine I'm, I'm looking forward to a bit of a standalone Batman coming up I, I'm, I've i got Batman fatigue and I love Batman mm. first time it was Batman I don't know I, I'm really into the Matt Reeves one that's what I mean I'd be happy with yeah. that if that and that stays away from all this multitude of universe stuff I'd be happy with that if it's just standalone mm. is his own universe great and it's it. not year one which I fucking love so we'd have to see any, you know, parents being gunned down in yeah. an alley. You know, like I was listening to an interview with Rob Patrick, uh, Robert Patterson, Patterson the other day, and he was saying um, year one's done. Everyone knows that. Like he is proper grieving in this movie. You don't need it. Just like you don't need a Superman origin story. We know it. Get on with it. Mm. Yeah, like Green Lantern, you kind of did. Yeah, Wonder Woman, you kind of did. Green Lantern, you but, did, and then but, you wish you didn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but Batman, yeah, we get it. Do you? Do you think there's a good Green Lantern movie in there? Yes. Because I never, and I say this all the time, I never grew up reading comic books and I, I still don't read comic books, but I know a lot of people that talk about Green Lantern as being some of the best comic book material. Yes. Uh, well, DC always got this darker thing and my understanding is Green Lantern has some of the best ones because there's all these different cores, you know, they're like the dead core and stuff like that. 
I think imaginatively, there's so much to be had there. I think what the problem was with the film is it was just balls. And I, I know I, that's not very eloquent, but they said it in like this terrible place. He just darts back and forth. He's not a terrible. Weirdly, everyone kind of knows he gets picked, but you don't actually need a film of him, you know, getting it. You could do it in flashbacks in like mm. the first movie, but I actually think it would make a great TV series. I always, Big budget, yeah. but a great TV series. I always fought bad for the villain in that movie. Um, the Cloud or no, the not smart the cloud. one. The, yeah, Brainiac or whatever version yeah. that is of that character. Just, and again, I don't know because there's that many... I mean, yeah. in both worlds, there's... Because in The Hulk, wasn't there? The US it was the same get, as well, yeah. <laughs> which was Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah. So And that led nowhere. Yep. But, you know, the idea, someone's got, you know... Uh, Fucking Marvel are at such a high that he'll be the next villain, the next Avengers film. We're like, oh, did you not see it? Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember that film that we tried to get rid of? But I always felt bad for him in the Green Lantern movie because he was played by... Um, Peter Stars, Peter Starsgaard? He was Peter, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. I was trying to get me Starsgaard's right. Because he didn't want to be a villain. No. Like, he was, like, smart, intelligent, yeah. and because he, he didn't look the part. Exactly. He, and his father treated him like I was, shit. I was literally going to say, and his dad tried to kill him. Yeah. And, <laughs> and cut him off. Yeah. And, like... <laughs> And then, so he gets like infected. And in any other movie, you would like be like, "Look, I know you've done some bad things, but you know the, there's a human in there, and I'm going to get it out of you." Fuck no, he gets killed in that movie, like gets burnt to a shrimp. But <laughs> what I'd like to find out, he's a, so when all these people get these magical powers, you know, like Batman, he gets lots of money. Shoots like Iron Man, gets a suit, you know, does all this. Hulk gets angry. All of these villains, they want to take over the world. That guy. He's teaching a class and someone says something, he reads their mind, and he throws them across the room. That's that's what I'd use my powers. That's yeah. the most realistic. You go, dick. Dick. <laughs> like look at Batman and Robin. Like at the end of that, George Clooney was like, you know, you're going to you're going to um, Arkham, Mr. Freeze, but you can continue your research. Yeah, obviously, yeah. You know, because I think there's still a good person in there. And he's like, cheers, man. Yeah. None of that for uh, for for big brain in there. Green Lantern. It's just like <laughs> see ya. <laughs> Have this cloud devour you. Yeah, yeah. there you go. Yeah. Saw it, nailed bit, it, smashed it. Bit grim that. I, yeah. yeah. Cheer um, result. I what I've started Ozark. I know you have. Is it still as good as it opened up? Because I've heard that it starts off great, dips gets good. It's like Dexter. It's mm. good and then it's bad and it's good and it's bad. There, I I tried watching it years ago and I, and it. I, for some reason, I just didn't connect it at the time. I, the first episode does grab you by the fucking short ears, mm. and it, it, you know it's quite intense. And, and rewatching it, it's, it's just as intense. I was like, "Crap, why didn't I watch this?" And I started. And I must admit, there is a character in it. I'll, I'll talk more about it in future weeks when I'm more in yeah. it. But there is certainly a character in it that is very fast becoming <clears throat> one of the best, most original, fascinating, dangerous characters I think Ooh. I've ever seen in a in a. And he said, <clears throat> it's this young girl in it who comes into one of the episodes um, so, like, innocent and you don't see, you're not paying attention to her until mm. the end of the episode when you think, hold on, there's something about that Ooh. fucker. And every scene she's in now, you're like, hold on. You know, like, when you, I don't know if you ever watched Gotham and you saw the kid that was eventually going to become the Joker. No, but And I've there's heard. something about him where you're like, you know, and then it's like, oh, yeah, he's the Joker. And you're like, oh, shit. They, yeah, there's something about this character where you're like, you know, in, in, so much good TV and TV series we get at the moment. Original characters, when they stick out, they're, they're so precious, aren't they? You're like, yeah. even villains, if they're a villain, they're a good guy, whatever they are. You know, you can have a bad series and a great character. Um, and yeah, I think Ozark certainly has that in this one individual. But um, yeah, it's good good for what I'm watching. And then other than that, this week, all I've seen is the movies I'm going to talk about. Oh, oh, there you go. I am on the quest to find maybe a film worse than Speed Kills. 
The John Travolta movie. The John Travolta movie that we did a few weeks ago. He haunts me. Mm. And uh, so I've been checking out a few of those films. But if we've got time, maybe later, or at a later date. Talk I'd... to me about your your three movies. My three movies. So I've got... You don't have to tell me what they are. But genres, what, how did you pick them? So I tried to go for three. I went for romance, yeah. comedy. Oh, no, sorry. I went for romance, action, and I went for a horror. Mm. Now, I'm going to tell you something now. You know, when you search for genres, that's bollocks, isn't it? Because the films I saw and the reason why I watched four... That's because I watched one. I wouldn't really class it as action. So I went for another action film. Guess what? It wasn't very action. No. So a bit disappointed, but I've gone for, there's big names in here, mate. There's stars in here. These are, these are recent films as well. And I did try to stick to original ones so that you could only get them on Amazon. Oh, okay. However, but I also wanted to do new films I'd never spoken about. So I was only able to do that for two of them. So for like my action one, obviously, the Tomorrow War would have been a great one. However, we've already reviewed that on the show, so I removed that from the from the. So I had to use a film that is just on Amazon. Do you want to go first? Or you first one? I will go first. I so my horror or thriller, if you will, I'm gonna take you back to 2014, mate. Directed by Eric Van Louis. ooh, starring Carl Urban, James Marsden, and Wentworth Miller. Uh, not that one. From Prison Break, the other one. Oh, the other one. The one with tattoos. Five scumbags share the ownership of an upmarket loft, which they all use to meet their mistresses so that they can cheat on their wives. There's Vincent, Carl Urban, an architect and married with kids. He is the alpha doing all manner of douchebag things. And do you know what? Carl Urban is a great douchebag. <laughs> um, there's Vincent. Oh, sorry. There's Chris, the psychiatrist, who, although married, falls in love with a prostitute that he's currently banging. He's the good one. <laughs> Um, Luke, the weird, clever one. Marty, a tub of grease that we're supposed to believe can seduce women without them vomiting in their mouths. And Philip, he's the red herring. <laughs> After a particularly hard night of sex, alcohol and drugs, the guys come home. And by come home, I mean come to this, uh, basically loft. this loft. <laughs> they all basically have a deal where they text each other when they're using a loft for their pre-extramarital affairs. And they find a dead woman in the bed and a note written in blood. But there's only five keys for five men. So who's the murderer? We find out that the victim has a connection to all five men, meaning all of them had means, opportunity, motive, and motive. <gasps> Do you know what? Weirdly, this film came out of nowhere. I'm going to tell you right now what drew me in, Carl Urban. I, yeah. love, I love Carl Urban. I think he's very underrated, but he also seems to have fun with all his roles. So if you watch the behind the scenes of like Lord of the Rings, he's just pissing about, mate. He's having fun. You see him... I imagine the boy set must be amazing because he looks like so much fun. So I'm a Carl Urban fan and what he did with Dread was amazing. He, that was, he's my Dread. And that's, <laughs> and that's why he won. Uh, that's why he won over Dread a lot of the fans. Year. Yeah, Dread of the Year. <laughs> um, the acting is actually top notch, especially if you've only really, I only mentioned the top three. Um, Carl Urban, James Marsden, whose career has kind of petered out a little bit. He's not in as many A-listed things. And Wentworth Miller, who, let's be honest, was in Prison Break and then was famous for playing a character in a Resident Evil film that broke out of jail. <laughs> so stick to what you know. The Loft, um, it's tense in the right place. This kind of mediocre storytelling isn't mediocre. The tension's ramped up. It, it works with what it's got. So it's got limitations in the script. However, it works in its favour. This crisp layout with the the airing attitude of the five men as they turn on each other. So this is without spoilers. It's on Amazon. You should go check it out. Um, it is one of the rare times that this works, because I hate this. You know in a slasher film when you hate the main characters? Mm. 
the reason they the director wants you to hate them is because that he, they want you to enjoy the gore and the bad things that happen to them. Well, it's also it's I think it's also a mechanism so that when they feel they get killed, you don't feel bad. Yeah, that's what you I mean. You don't feel yeah. bad for going to the cinema and paying money to watch mm. a load of people be murdered and think I'm going to be on a list somewhere. But you don't like these five characters. So you're actually quite happy that they're turning on each other. So it's actually quite good to see because you as an audience member go, good, I hope someone gets their comeuppance. I think it's an underrated film. And I'm going to tell you this right now, and I don't bring this one out. This is a Friday night takeaway film. Oh. You Friday night, you have a pizza, you're Chinese, well, you know, what have you. I'm going to Stick this film on. This is a... Uh, not as good as seven. This is about four. <laughs> <laughs> seven is the grail, isn't seven it? Is, seven right. is the perfect takeaway Friday night movie. You know, just gorge yourself on food whilst yeah. you watch a fat bloke die. <laughs> it's not a first date movie. But, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, do you know what? The Loft, I was pleasantly surprised. Is it the greatest film ever? No, but everything works in its way. It's a, it's a little, the little film that could. And I genuinely really did like The Loft, to be honest. A lot more than I thought it was going to do. 2014. Um, yeah, give me some Carl Urban. I like Carl Urban. I think he's he's one of them people that always surprises me when you see the amount of films he's been in. He's crazy, isn't it? There's there's um there's always that meme that goes around and go this like this is what this is what range looks like, and it's all the different characters Carl Urban's played. Mm. I imagine he's great to go with like for a beer with. Yes, yes. Also, he's, have a pizza and watch a movie with. Yeah, one of my favorite New Zealanders. He's from New Zealand, didn't you? Know? Yes, he is. Yeah. <laughs> I do you know what? It's so weird that you said that because that story there that uh you know body in the bed five mm -hmm. keys whatever the mechanism is to get you there why are these people in this room and why is the audience not really meant to like any of the five yeah um you know is is by the by but that classic yeah. story isn't it of who done it one of them did yes or did they is there actually a way around that by the end of the movie they're going to show actually there was a sip key or someone else had access to that key or someone knew about the room or whatever it is yeah or well, the room is in your mind that's I'm not. That's not what happens. No, it's, just, <laughs> it's not 1408. Yeah, <laughs> great at the end. It's just like there was no. Carlo just comes on screen. It's wine. He just goes. There was no room. <laughs> Fate. <laughs> there is. There is no spoon. <laughs> Every film should end like that. Yeah. Anyway, that's so a the, Matrix joke. Yeah. And the loft. Would you watch it? Uh, I I'm know. very much like you in that it's a Carl Urban movie, so probably. But Wentworth Miller's. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, the who done it angle, yes, yes, and it is a bit different. The who done it, there's um, I, you know what, I'm not going to spoil it. It's, I I enjoyed it. I think you'll like it. I don't. Mm. It's nothing special, but Carl Urban, nice little ditty, nice little ditty. Okay. Mm. It's the rice, mate, from the Chinese. You you need a base. So the I I went for horror. Now I thought I was going to put my big boy pants on this week. Ooh. And watch uh, the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. Yeah, but it's not. But it don't it? come out till yeah. next week. <laughs> so I was already, I was already to watch that and think, fuck it up because I need an excuse because I'm not really into horror. And that to me is like the that is like the top horror. Yeah. The the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie scared the shit out of me when I was growing up. And just about every version of it when it comes out. I don't know, James. It might just be the sound of chainsaws. <laughs> it's something I don't like about it. I th I'll, I'll be honest, James. I don't like it when people wear off of people's faces. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit weird, isn't it? Or when you go around someone's house and the furniture's made out of bone, it's a bit weird. Isn't yeah. It? It's just like, could you not go down IKEA? Don't get me wrong, like at Halloween, I love going like around horror mazes and people jumping out dressed as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm fine with that Because they don't have a chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> or like wearing that. actual skin. Yeah. That we know of. It'd be the best place for a psycho to hang out. It would be, actually. Um, but there is something just ingrained in me from a little kid about them. You know, the ex didn't bother me, you know, 
it, the TV two-parter, didn't bother me. It's laughable, isn't it? Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, scared the shit out of me. And every incarnation since, I don't think I've watched. I've seen like the second, the third, but like all the remakes, because they've rebooted it twice in the 2000s already, haven't they? Yeah, he's definitely had at least one. Because they did the one that, where they tried going 3D, because it's, it's not enough, is it, James? I was thinking that the other day when I was in the cinema for Moonfall. I was like, wow, 3D died and no one mentioned it, did they? Yeah. They literally just, the, where, what happened there? Because, mate, Would you watch your Moonfall, Moonfall for thinking, <laughs> This could really do it with a 3D. Mate, if the moon was in 3D, mate, sign me up. <laughs> yeah. But then they then they did the, the Texas Chainsaw a few years ago, and now they're doing it. It just doesn't die. Mm. This one is supposed to be, I don't know, I could be wrong, A again, we, a requel. Uh, a reboot sequel, but it is the original, he, you know, like the original character. Oh, is, is in, <laughs> someone stumbles on his hiding place and yeah. that's what brings it off. I mean, the, whatever. <laughs> but I was going to watch that. Anyway, Looking forward to it. <laughs> didn't watch it. So I did watch instead uh, a movie that, I watched it for the reason that there was a lot of films with this name and I don't know the difference behind them all and okay. if they're all the same or or whatever. Because it always just fascinates me that two movies can come out very close to each other and be have and have the same name. It's irritating, isn't it? And not create some kind of like legal battle about well, we had that name first. Because mm. like if you and me bought out a, a film called Superman, yeah, and it was just and it was just you know it was it, I don't know it was it was about some like racist <laughs> bloke from Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm pretty certain like like one of us would shoot us down pretty quick. You know, yeah. what I mean? or <laughs> just like. Franchise, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, there's got to be rules. Anyway, Escape Room, the with, movie with. Well, I get confused now because there's a horror one, but no, it's the Stallone. Stallone, no, that's that's uh, escape that's plan. Escape Plan. Okay. There's three of them. <laughs> what? There's three of them. Yes, I'm not proud of this. I've seen him. The third one's got Batista in it. I think he starts the second one because Arnold Schwarzenegger was like, no, no, <laughs> I won't sign up. So get Batista. I, th- I'm not laughing at Batista because if it's a chance to work with Stallone, I imagine you're going to jump at that no, opportunity. True, but, but, but better but opportunity, does, does surely. Does three films? <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I watched half of the first one. I turned it off. I was like, this is just fucking so terrible. Is that the one where Cavill, formerly Jesus, is the villain? I think it is, yeah. Yep. yeah. That's a weird cast. Escape Room. From 2019, bearing in mind that there was also an escape room in 2017. The one in 2017 sent around a board game that, as they played the game, made things happen in real life. So to me, that's Jumanji. It's Jumanji. But weirdly, then it also inspired Escape Room 2019, of which then there's a sequel called Jumanji. <laughs> Next uh, level. No, then there's no escape. And then, so there's Escape Room, Escape Room again, no escape, and Escape Room Tournament of Champions. The latter being the sequel to this one that I'm going to talk about. Jesus Fucking Christ. Hell. You see what I mean? Yeah. So it's, uh, it is exactly what you think this movie is going to be. It's, it's six strangers that um, are seemingly unconnected in different walks of life, different ages. Mm. Um, all are the recipients of this mystery box. If anyone ever hands me a cue, first thing I'm thinking, Hellraiser. Yeah, just throw the fuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just, just give it to you. Just be like, nah, you're well, right. Can you remember that movie that was centred around that, I think it was called The Box. Yeah, it was, it was called um, The Box. Cameron Diaz. Um, James yeah. Marsden, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, the one where if you press the... Yeah, you press someone, someone in the world will die and then you get like a million pounds and they're like, oh, morally, can we press it? And you just know, of course they'll know the fucker. That's the point of the story. If they pressed it... Do you, I use this all the time though. Because Skeletor would, was in it. <laughs> Frank... Would you do it? If someone comes to your house now and was like, look, there's 7 billion people in the world right now. Yeah. If you press this button, someone dies. Now, they could be 90 and in hospital anyway and Mm. in pain. And you could be putting them out of the misery. Yeah. 
Could also be a two-week-old baby. I think I would have pressed the button even before they'd finished the spiel. Just be like, How if much? you press this button, oose. <laughs> <laughs> Head button. It's just like, right, see you later. Yeah, because uh, I, I did this the other day to Emily, and I was like, look, 50K. She was like, no, 60. No, I went a million. She was like, uh. I was like, hey, oh, hey, oh. I think my price is uh, three quarters. But I, but to be fair to me, I could kill a human for a lot less. But it's the element of not knowing who it was. Well, it makes it easy if you do know. Yeah, because if it was like, is this knobhead? You'd be like, right, good. But then if it's like, I don't know, like you, I'd be like, oh, I'd press the fucker twice. <laughs> Just make sure he goes down. <laughs> <laughs> Escape room is, uh, yeah, six strangers. And when they battle this box, this uh, Enigma box style thing, a, a, a business card comes out, inviting them to take part in a revolutionary, one-of-a-kind experience, which is an escape room where the winning prize is $10,000 if you can get out of it. Now, the five, uh, the six individuals that come from, one is an ex, um, has been in the army, been in the military, has PTSD. That's Deborah Ann Worrell, who you may know from the uh, Daredevil series. Mm. Um, another one is a high-flying lawyer who has everything, you know, so this to them is more about pride because they're a go-getter. They're someone who wins, That you know, and they're an achiever. They're someone who loves escape rooms, uh-huh. does it by nature. This sort who doesn't know why they're there. He's, he's like an ex-miner. He's like, I don't know why I got this invite. Um, and there's also someone who is um, trying to overcome tragedy and put themselves in a situation that, you know, kind of wakes them up a bit, you know. Mm. And so they've all got their different motives. <laughs> they need to be inspired by Jigsaw. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I've sort my life out now. Well, yeah, no, you know, she, she, she comes from a bit of tragedy, um, you know, and, and one of her friends is like, look, just... You know, get out of there, do something, do something uh, you wouldn't normally do. You know, bad advice, apparently. Yeah. Because when they're in these rooms locked in, they have deadly consequences, as, as you might imagine. Um, so each of the five, this is the thing as well. There are five rooms they've got to get out of. The storyline doesn't tell you that. One of the characters literally just goes, Yeah, most of the time in escape rooms, there's five rooms. Is there? When does that bit of rule? I didn't, I didn't know that. I've been in an escape room that was two rooms. <laughs> so, yeah, most of the time it's one or like yeah. there may be an adjoining part of a room. But, yeah, and they are extravagant, uh, and the sets are huge on this. You, you and I would never walk into an escape room, anything like this. The first <laughs> steal one, steal from it. <laughs> but the first one is getting hotter, you know. So every time they fuck about or do something wrong or try and break their way out. So what's really, I tell you what was pretty cool about this, because as you can probably guess from the tone of what I'm saying, this is a 90 minute popcorn thing. If this is your kind of film, you're not going to get anything from it other than 90 minutes of, you know, I suppose it is entertaining. It is, it is to watch it. You're not going to get like acting from it. You're not going to get, you know, questions or or um, suspense from it. It's just who's going to die in this room? Who's going to die in the next room? Play the game. Yeah. That it kind who's going to win at the end when the businessman tries to screw? Yeah, over. and how are they connected? Because they're not just going to be strangers. It's yeah. that kind of stuff. And um, what I do like about it is they sat in the waiting room, and then one of them's like, "Fuck this!" Like I've been waiting here too long. Goes to open the door, and the door handle comes off, and the, and it's like, "Oh, we're in the re- you're in the game." Like yeah. so that was. There are bits of it. I was like, oh shit. Cause it just looked like a mundane waiting room. And there's a swarm behind the glass, you know, like on the telephone. And when they move it across, it's a dummy. It's a doll. And I was like, oh sweet. Okay. This is like cool, like mm. thriller horror stuff. Um, but every time they fuck about and, um, you know, try and break a window or something, the room gets hotter. And then the longer that they're in there, it starts to get, so it's basically an oven, a giant oven yeah. that they've got to get out of. And then the next one's like a log cabin, you know, that's, um, they're going to freeze to death. And then the next one is, yeah, there are all these different kind of extremes and, and you know, you and I would never go into something this, this fucking good looking, you know what I mean? It'd be like, oh, I can see the forex. <laughs> I can see the thing I'm not supposed to see for, two, you know, for 10 more minutes yet. You know, it's just there. 
So, but it, I, you know, it was, it was, it did have its moments of entertainment. There are characters that I was like, oh, they'll make it to the end and they don't. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, that's cool. Certain characters that are either the bigger names, the bigger draws, or the characters that have the backgrounds that you think they, the film's telling me to focus on this person because yeah. they come from that. And then they go and you're like, oh, okay then. Um, there is also a really cool room that they go into towards the end where they all get drugged as they go in it and it's tripping balls. So I was like, this, that's pretty cool. I like, mm. I would probably get drunk and go in that room myself. Fair enough. Um, and it is a, it, it's a ditty of a movie, James. It's a bit of a ditty. I'm not going to say like get a takeaway and enjoy this one. I, but I am going to say if you've got 90 minutes and nothing to watch and you know, it's a kind of movie where here's a scenario. You sat on the sofa, Thursday night, sun, Sunday night, something like that. It's definitely not a Friday or a Saturday. Mm. And you're thinking about going to bed, but you're going to try a movie. This is that movie. Because then in 40 minutes, if you're not into it, turn it off, go to bed, it's fine. Yeah, It's not the kind of movie that's going to warrant you going, no, I must help him finish this film. I must know how it ends. I must know who survives. None yeah. of that shit. Like Moonfall. Yeah. I'm guessing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, it's the, uh, the the 2019 one. Now, there's a sequel. Uh, Escape Room Tournament of Champions. That's weird time. Might watch it. Ooh. Might watch it. Why not? It does give the idea that there's a bigger world out there and that there's that these, you know, because, you know, people die in these rooms and they're yeah. big and how do they get away with it? You know, and, and at the end of the movie, it does ask those questions like, how long have you been doing this for? And, and how is it all connected? Like, who's the man behind the glass? Who's the voice? And it does set up like, you know, those that do get out of the game, there's more, kind of like Final Destination, it reminded me of Final Destination. Yeah. You know, in the closing minutes of that movie, movie, it, it was, was like, there's more, they yeah. haven't beat it, there's more to come. It had a very much of a that feel to it. When you were saying all of that, it's basically like the film Cube, that absolutely fantastic kind of indie film where they just go into rooms where they kill it and it ends with them getting out, but no answers, there's no answers. And then the sequels are trying to give you answers. You're just like, I don't care. You've just ruined yeah, it. Yeah, you don't need answers to you this. You don't need answers. But then also, this doesn't well, you need do the- like it's being teased that there's answers. This doesn't need the theatrics that this went through. This this is like, there's one room where it's like a bar, like a really cool like American bar, but everything's upside down. That's cool. And so every, so they're technically on the ceiling, but obviously it's not. But then the camera does that thing where it just inverts, so everyone looks like they're upside down. And so there's a huge section in the third room where you're like this. The, like I said, the sets are really impressive on this. That's cool. But it doesn't give anything more than like 90 minutes of kind of cheap thrills and, you know. Yeah. But then that's what that's what it's designed to do. Exactly. So I did, oh sorry, I did have some facts about escape rooms oh, as well. Because uh, you, you say you've done an escape room. I've done one virtually. <laughs> I do like escape rooms. I know I, you've I've, done been. A, I've done a couple. You've never invited me. Uh, well, we'll go do one if you want. Precursor to <laughs> we'll the modern day. <laughs> Precursors to the modern day escape rooms <clears throat> include haunted houses and scavenger hunts. That's kind of what inspired them. Cool. Uh, they're live action thrills uh, where a team have to solve riddles. Search for clues to exit a room against the clock, often with interactive props and extravagant sets. The earliest concept is thought to have been in Indianapolis in 2003, so they are still a relatively new yeah, phenomenon. I say that. I, yeah, but I, I did read that a year-in-year increase <clears throat> in the pop-up of escape rooms is now at 409 percent a year. You can you can do them in like just a house though, can't you? You you can do them when they come to your house and set one up. So don't. they are pop-up. Um, mm. What uh, what do they call it? Like flash. Uh, games so yeah. they're very cheap to make and they bring in loads because a group of um, you know five or six people you could be looking at 50 pound an hour charging people oh, that's cool so again looking at the business model it, you know, it can cost like five grand to set the room up but you make that back pretty quickly by 2015 they become a global phenomenon particularly in Japan which focuses on things like colour coding logical puzzles and mathematical sequences to solve the riddles 
The most popular escape rooms are Heist, Magic, Bomb Disposal, and Horror being the most popular. And the top escape room, uh, which was has been crowned by the uh, top escape room project, which tested one thousand no one hundred seventy seven thousand four hundred and seventeen escape rooms, declared Your Float Two, which is in Alveva in Spain, as the number one in the world. Ooh. That's to be the number one of that must be they must be doing something pretty special. Yeah. I've I must admit I've done five or six and I've enjoyed every one of them. Problem is I imagine they're friendship enders. Like if you go with someone and they're really just pissing you off, you're I am just that like, guy as well. I'm just like I'm gonna punch you in a minute. I am that guy. I'm like, look, stop fucking about. We've got it. I'm a, <sighs> if you see my problem is every time I go into a room, I'd look for the nearest chair. <laughs> just I'm sitting down. <laughs> I remember this one this one time we went and I'm pretty certain the per- the person I went with listens to this podcast, so he won't mind me saying. But it was a science one, like it was a like mad scientist thing. Yeah. And so when you go in, the, 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 it's like it's like Richard Brandon with Crystal Maze. When you go in, they often give you a clue, and you're like, yeah. "Oh, that's a bit cryptic." This one wasn't. It was when you get in there, put on the lab coats. Yep. So you go in and put in lab coats, and the first thing you've got to get is through this door. It's not even like hard. It's like to get you in the mood, like, "Oh, put a lab coat on," and there's a lock on the door. We got to get Ooh. you know. And after about 10 minutes of us ripping this fucking room apart, the, the intercom just went on and says, the game starts in the room after, the key is in one of the pockets. And then this girl was just went, oh yeah, the, yeah, yeah, there's a key in my pocket. And we was like, have you just found this? Because no, 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 it was here when I put it on. And you didn't think pull that out and get in the room. And the thing is, I looked up at the clock and it reset to zero and I thought, oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're probably still laughing about it. The people that are working in that room yeah, are probably the still laughing. Yeah, dumb fucking people couldn't even put a coat on. <laughs> they could, to be we, fair. They just couldn't put the their hands though. in the pockets. Got out of the room, didn't we? Yeah, you did. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Pride, mate. I'm good doing the escape room, are you? Yeah, all right. We'll do an escape room. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do a podcast in there. Yes. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, right. Um, what's your favorite? What's your favorite room in the house? Uh, the bedroom. Oh, James. so close. The kitchen, 2019. <laughs> <laughs> um, directed by Andrea Berloff. Debut. It's a debut film, starring Melissa McCarthy. I've seen this. Tiffany Haddish, Elizabeth Moss, and Elizabeth Moss with Domino Gleeson and Common. It's been, it's been a oh, while. A common sighting. <laughs> a common sighting. <laughs> It's 1978 and Hell's Kitchen is run by the O'Carroll crime family. However, it all goes wrong and three members of the family are caught red-handed, arrested and sent to jail, leaving behind their three wives. Being screwed out of money owed to them, the three wives form their own faction and begin to earn top dollar by being more productive and effective than the O'Carrolls. Kathy, played by Melissa, is she's the devoted wife who is at first reluctant but soon excels in her role. Ruby, played by Tiffany, a black woman married into the married to an Irish man. She is instantly disliked by the majority of her family because of this, and also her fractious relationship with her mother-in-law. Mm. And uh, without her husband, she has to develop a harder shell to survive because all the eyes are out to get her. And Claire, played by Elizabeth Moss, a timid, beaten woman who falls in love with a deranged Vietnam vet when her husband is arrested. The wives excel in their leadership roles, become richer and more powerful the Italian mafia begin to notice and they soon come knocking. Can they hold on to the power they get, especially when they find out the husbands will soon be released? <gasps> so the kitchen is supposed to be my action one because it's on action on Amazon. It's not an action, it's really. not an action film in the slice. It's a drama and it's a good drama. I enjoyed it. And this is one of these roles where you just want to shake Melissa McCarthy and go... Exactly. We talked about this the other yeah, week. Yeah, exactly. And it was weird to see a film. I just She's so good. Stop prat falling around. 
is she's really good in this. And but then to be fair, Tiffany Haddish, who I only know from a really bad she did a comedy with a small guy from Center and Central Intelligence, not the Kevin, right. Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart. And that was okay. Well, it wasn't the best film, but she was fine in it. But in this, she's phenomenal. Like basically the whole world's out to get her. And she does this great no spoilers again, but you can imagine where the story will take you. And then sprinkle on that, Elizabeth Moss. And I'll be honest, Elizabeth Moss is one of my things to sprinkle now. She's everywhere. She's brilliant. I think mm. Elizabeth Moss might genuinely be the best. The best. Mm. She's so good. But because I'm watching The Handmaid's Tale, Handmaid's Tale, why does she have to be being? Why couldn't she just like, you know, be good? <laughs> just, I feel really sorry for you. But a great standout performance as well from Domino Gleeson, who plays this like deranged Vietnam vet. And this scene that's quite harrowing where he, basically shows the lovable Elizabeth Mars how to do some pretty barbaric things. But the characters grow, you grow with them, they they have this tension. But it's a good film. It's mm. a good film. But when you watch it, you get this overreaching arc is Melissa McCarthy, you can do good films. You know, she was up for an Oscar. And then like the next year she's a Ghostbuster. So I just just pick better films. You she is so good when she's on her game. How's common? He was okay. Mm. But that's all you can expect from a common sign. <laughs> Dominic Gleeson was at one point was becoming almost like a almost like a, um, a phenomenon. How he was being in as many movies as he was, yeah. he was at one point he was the hardest working man in Hollywood. He was in everything. But I love the fact that he's now disappeared. <laughs> just I think he's hibernating. <laughs> he's, he's just waiting. But no, um, a very good film where he's really good. He does have electric chemistry with Elizabeth Moss. Mm. And maybe it's because I'm just a big Elizabeth Moss fan. She's standout, but she's standout number two. But Tiffany Haddish, didn't know she had it in her. Her cold exterior was so good, I generally felt a cold breeze watching the screen. But uh, And then you'll just get annoyed because there's some great performances there. And a good film. It's got uh, Margot Martindale in it. Yes. Who's, who plays Helen O'Carroll in it, who is going to be in Elizabeth Banks' next movie, oh, no. Cocaine Beer. Oh, about the co- bear that gets high on cocaine yeah. and goes on a rampage. I love the fact that Elizabeth Banks went, well, Charlie's Angels didn't work, mm. so I will make a film about a bear on cocaine. But she's already lost that movie because why that film isn't called Pablo Escobar is fucking beyond me. Like, <laughs> Because you can see it, mate. You can see the money. Just, it's, it's snakes in a plane, isn't it? It's like when, when Samuel L. Jackson came up, like, oh, we're going to change it. It's like, why the fuck? The only mm. No one wants to watch a film about snakes on a plane People want to watch a film called Snakes on a yeah. Plane. Yeah, I saw that movie when it came out. I, I think I went to cinema to see it, but I, I didn't know, I wasn't really on the Elizabeth Moss hype train then yeah, exactly. because it, I think it was more Invisible Man that did that and yeah. then, then Handmaid's Tale. So, yeah, Mad Men for me. She's great in Mad Men. Right. But yeah, I did I did enjoy it. I did, I did like that movie. Oh, mate. I genuinely thought you were going to say The Kitchen. You were, a good, you were a good little cook as well. Thank you. Oh. I watched a sci-fi movie next. Ooh. So I went with a sci-fi film that I'd hovered on a few times on Netflix. And it did come out, I think, in 2019, 2020. So it's, I'm going to say still, oh, it's 2021 um, movie. So, and it stars Chloe Grace Moretz. <gasps> Algie Smith. Ooh. It's directed by Mattson Tomlin. Mm. And there's a movie called Mother Android. So Mother slash Android. Not even gonna pretend I've heard of it. You not heard of it? No. Oh, I've, so I always hover on it on Netflix because it's one that always pops up, and it's it's basically Chloe Grace Moretz in like the woods, kind yes. of oh, hiding shit. No. the thing, and then yeah, 
Um, yeah, no, I have seen it. I apologise. So it's a post-apocalyptic movie where violent androids have taken over and humans are on the run and um, there is an all-out war going on. The movie starts um, like any film, you know, it, it, there's there's no sci- nothing sci-fi about it. I really like how this film starts. They go into a house party. Mm. So Chloe Grace Mortez um, and her partner, uh, Algie Smith, are... In a bathroom, she finds out she's pregnant. They're not sure if they want it. Are they serious? You know, this was just a fling. They're having fun. But, you know, he's a different uh, mindset of what this relationship is. He's very much committed. She's not sure. They're like, well, look, let's just go to the house party. Have some fun. We'll figure about it another day. So they go along. And um, it's really weird. Like, all of a sudden, you're thrown into this sci-fi world because there's, a like, someone going around serving drinks. And then they're like, they they shout a number out and then its eyes go blue and it moves around and and it's like oh it's a fucking android it's like a oh, it's a right, human yeah. walking around but it's it's now it's not like futuristic it is very much like a now based movie um anyway so she goes then to the bathroom she starts crying you know and her friend goes to uh, consolidate you're right what's going on she's like oh, I'm pregnant I don't know what's going on and boom James boom fucking lights go out phones start flickering all this kind of shit people start screaming what the hell is going on was it like the cell. They go outside back to the kitchen where they were just doing shots and everything was all good, good. And yeah. that fucking Mr. Butler, mate, yeah. is taking names. Yeah. People up against walls, we're smashing people around. There's bodies all over the floor. Something's happened, James. All the androids are in well, the fucking, click I hope so. <laughs> Skynet has happened. Sky fucking net. So, and then, and then we skip forward nine months. Okay. And so Chloe Grace Montez is in the final stages. In fact, she's overdue for, for this, for this uh, child. And androids have clearly won being the superior race. <laughs> Humans are now living in the woods, hiding, living day to day, hand in mouth, you know, we're staying off the grid mm. away from these androids. They've got drones and all this kind of like sci-fi tech and shit. <laughs> and they're trying to get to Boston because they've heard that there's um, medicines in Boston. They've heard that there's a, um, this is the bit I like. There is a boat that leaves from uh, Boston for mums and babies uh, to Korea because it's the only place that's safe. Because they don't fuck about with the robots, James. All right, North Korea. <laughs> well, they, don't, they don't specify. It looked. It did look quite North Korea. No, I was just saying they don't have robots. So. <laughs> <laughs> or do they? <laughs> um, you know what I believe about North Korea, James? It's a, it's a tax haven for the rich. All right. I love the fact that North Korea is the hero. <laughs> well, so just, no, be honest, mate, didn't they call... didn't say North Korea. They're just a Korea. All right. Um, okay. But yeah, so they're trying to get to this place, and it, you know, and like with these post-apocalyptic, it is what I really like about it is after the beginning, which still isn't like too in your face, and and you know, it is, it is pretty much just a you know, the android is pretty much just a dude with blue eyes. You know, it's like it's not, so it's not like well, he doesn't look that androidy <laughs> until someone takes a baseball bat to it, <laughs> and James. then it's very androidy. Then it's insides look all kinds of androidy, but um, like it, Ian Holm, like in Alien, is like he's but a, less milk. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually good that's less gross um, and you know it, it, it is very much like a what I will class as a lockdown movie and I imagine they filmed a large portion of it just two actors uh, you know socially distanced in the woods you know and uh, you know a lot of this film is them just talking about how they're going to get there and you know and it, it goes from being it starts off you think fucking hell this is going to be like the tomorrow war kind mm. of thing and then it becomes very much a survival indie film. That's cool. Um, you know, very low budget. They, it becomes Children of Men. Feel, it gets a feel to that. It, 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 I don't know if you ever saw the movie Girl of All the Gifts. It kind of has the that South feel. Korea. That's a wicked film. It kind of has that feel to it. They go to an army barracks, a kind of crossing station where they're welcomed, but then they're not welcomed. And she's, 
you know, obviously pregnancy, they don't want her there. And but there's a doctor there who's like, look, get to Boston as soon as you can. And they have this awkward decision that they have to make is they find a motorbike that will draw all the Andros to them. Ah, uh, right. But they can just fucking haul ass and go for it. You know, and it's like, what would you do kind of thing? There's a pretty nice twist halfway through it. Mm-hmm. There's one of those where there's a scene that you don't, there's no one winking at the camera in this one scene. It just plays out like a regular scene. And then later on, you revisit that scene and, completely and you go, oh shit, I didn't pick up on any of that. And that, and I thought, well done film. Well mm-hmm. done. And then it bought, and it ends with a very, very, um, what I imagine this film was based around the end scene. I, I feel it's one of them where if it were the screenplay or the director or whoever it was that kind of was the, the, the driving force behind this movie and its creation knew it was going to get to this scene and have to do what this film does. And it pays off. This is another film. Now, I'm not going to say this is great. It's, it's a good movie. It's certainly better than Escape Room. And I would recommend it to sci-fi fans. It's another film that shows that Chloe Grace Moretz is brilliant. Mm. Uh, and but the film, and that she's brilliant, but the film lets her down in certain yeah. places. There's some really creepy scenes in it. She gets like a cloaking device that means she can walk amongst the androids and they won't notice her. And there's stuff like that that's really creepy and parallels like some really good horror movies um and it does end with some pretty brutal scenes as well and it does end like i say with this big big scene that you're like ah fuck they they were going for that scene and she's not your typical lead character you know she doesn't know she wants to be one at the beginning of the movie she probably still doesn't halfway through the film until she has the kid um and yeah, I, I actually went away from this movie going, I did not think that film was going to go the way that it went and do what it did and, and make me feel certainly what I felt. Also, you cannot deny it has very strong parallels to, um, you know, things that we see all the time in the news about refugees crossing and looking for a better, safer yeah. life with their children and, you know, parents doing what they can because they want to take their kids away from areas of you know, devastation and destruction taken to somewhere that they believe is safe and mm. the, the what someone will do to do that. And so when you're watching it, it by the end of it, you're like, oh, that was, yeah, that, that crept up on me. That was really good. Like I say, it's not brilliant and it's not going to win any awards for like sci-fi movie of the year. Mm. But, but a, it was, it, I, I enjoyed it. There's enough there. They, yeah, there's oh, enough, there's it's certainly hook enough you, mate. Yeah. It's going to get you in. It's, it, gonna tell it's you two story. hours. So you are going to have to put in the two hours to watch it. But I, 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 would, I, I, I think you would like it. And I'll tell you what, not that we do this because podcasts are, are, are you know, we listen to podcasts. And they don't, but one of the best movie posters I've seen as well. Ooh. Very, very good movie poster. I love a movie poster, mm. mate. Ooh, that sounds cracking. What's Mother, that called? Mother Android. On the Netflix. On the Netflix. <sighs> I mean, I'm going to have to bring up the big guns here. This is your third and final. Have you done these in an order that's like... Getting better? No. Oh. Um, possibly. I like, weirdly, I liked all mine. Spoilers. However, the fourth one, mate, my Trump is my winner because mm. it'll get you round. But my third one, did you know that Britney runs a marathon 2019? Britney runs a marathon. No, you, I don't think you'd know it. Uh, directed by Paul Downs Colanzio. Debut again. Two debuts. Starring Gillian Bell, Michaela Watkins, and Utkaresh Ambedwaka, I apologise if I butchered his name, um, Brittany is a 20-year-old living in New York, taking several dead-end jobs to make ends meet. She plays hard by night, enjoying the nightlife and the drugs that come with it. Trying to score some drugs from a doctor, she receives the unwelcome diagnosis that she is overweight and it's starting to affect her life. 
She can't afford the New York gyms and is invited to a running club by her next door neighbor, a woman that Brittany has always despised because she always seemed to have a very good life. She takes a job walking. She takes a job walking a dog for a family that are out of town where she meets Jen, the former pet walker who has decided to move into the house while the family is away. Brittany begins to start hitting her targets of healthy living and beginning to lose weight, slowly realizing that people around her might not be her friends and might be keeping her down. She sets herself the big target of running the New York City Marathon with her despised friend and Jen. And do you know what, mate? Very good film. Now, Gillian Bell, Gillian Bell that you might not know, do you remember 22 Jump Street? She plays like the villain, if you will. She, so, um, she lost loads of weight. However, they put her in prosthetics that basically build her up to look like, she. that's the only role I've ever known her in. So she, um, she's lost a load of weight. They put her in prosthetics and she basically looked like she did. And I imagine that's quite a challenging thing to do, not being that person anymore, moving on. It's, it's not a heartbreaking film. It's not a great film, but she's very funny. She's the sort of person that, uh, Gillian Bell is definitely a name for the comedy future. Hilariously funny. Her wit, very dry, very condescending, but at the same time, very personable. She gets, um, she has a undeniable chemistry with Jern, uh, played by Ukuresh. Um, sorry. Ut Karesh, uh, and he's brilliant as well. They have this kind of very, I'm going to say this really weirdly, they have this very easy relationship that you as an audience member slip into. Mm. They start off as friends, you know, barely really knowing each other. They kind of walk into each other and go, oh, you're the night guy. And it's like, what are you doing living here? It's like, oh, they're not here, so what are they going to know that I'm just living in the house? So essentially these two random characters end up living together for no real reason. Um, Gillian Bell has a best friend who realizes that she might have a toxic relationship because she's obsessed with social media. It's about forgotten dreams. And the more the story goes on, you realize it's less about running and it's more about um, yourself and knowing who you are. There's a scene where she tries to go jogging for the first time, but like the door's shaking and she can't get out. And then it replays in her head like this nervous bit that she's got to overstep that line. You know, she's not comfortable with who she is and it keeps playing back. It is overplayed and you get it as an audience member but there's a certain quality that when she overcomes it you can't actually help but kind of cheer for her despite mm. the fact it's very paint by numbers as in the storyline is not going to you know blow you out of the water but because jamie bell does uh, such a good job of jillian bell sorry jillian bell gives you such a good job of you believing in her character you genuinely do cheer for her and you want her to win mm. you want her to succeed obviously this is hollywood so certain things happen like maybe she might not go all her way without any spoilers again but it was a fun film that actually and I'm going to sound this really stupid was funny it was a comedy that actually worked but that's what you want in a comedy and that's what you want from a comedy you don't want the feels that come in it but the feels aren't it was a good film I enjoyed it this to me Sunday Sunday afternoon I, I'm intrigued by that because Gillian Bell I always thought um, I like when you said Jamie Bell as well I was like no he would have danced his way to the yeah, end of that yeah exactly. sorry about Gillian that. Bell is um I was, I was like, she's an American horror story. She isn't. She's in Office Christmas Party. The That's Jason the one. one. Yes, yeah. yes. And she's also in like fight, fight teachers. The one with, the one with Ice Cube and Charlie Day. I wouldn't know. Oh, that one. <laughs> yes. I, I do know that movie. Yeah, yeah, I do that. She's trying to sleep with one of the students. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> she's an incredibly uh, talented actress. So I genuinely think she needs just more, she needs more headlining roles and she'll be it. Mm. She just she just needs to do an Elizabeth Moss and not a Melissa McCarthy because I know she's got goodness in her. Mm. She that really angered me, Melissa McCarthy, because she was really good in that film. 
Well, she, she's like Gerald Butler, isn't she? In, in that Gerald Butler went through a stage of, I'm not saying Gerald Butler was doing good stuff, but he, he was <laughs> he going, definitely not. He was going through a stage of like, brutal 18 violent movie, rom-com. <laughs> and it was like, his agent was like, look, you've got to be sexy, but brutal. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? like, and he was just ping-ponging for ages. We're like, 300, PSL love you. Laura Biden Citizen, Bounty Hunter. You know, all oh, the bounty was bad. Isn't ugly it? Truth, Gamer. And he just kept pinging between the two. I'll be honest, I forgot he had such a rich filmography. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't, James. <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> oh, nice. I would, I would probably watch that. I, I've heard of it. I've heard mm. of that movie. Well, the director based it on his former roommate. Right. Like she went through similar struggles and that really comes, the story is quite personable and it, it works. The mm. film is just light and airy and feathery. You don't have to mm. think about it afterwards. You the, mar- can w- the marathon's a metaphor for what's going on in a exactly. head. Exactly. Mm. It is. And do you know what, mate? You Have you run a marathon? No, I've done a half. Uh, I've yeah. done half of one. The, the thing is, when <laughs> I, the thing is when I watch it, I'm always, because I'm, I'm, I'm rather rotund, I think, I could do that. Mm. I that's something I would like to do, but we'll never achieve because I don't have a movie made about me. I did. I, I, right, this this this. I don't mean this as this isn't big edit or anything. And what last uh, before lockdown, everything. I did a half. I woke up one day at like seven in the morning, and just did a half marathon. No, no, but that's the thing. It's, that's not like I, I, right out of stubbornness, <laughs> and that and that is the problem. Is it? I'm just too that when I when I do run, I'm just stubborn i'm too stubborn to stop even if i'm in agony and i'm like fucking i'm not gonna be able to walk for like a week or i can i can feel that my feet are bleeding i'm like no i said i'm going to do 13 miles and i'm gonna do it and i i'm just stubborn well you did it that's all that matters mate now do it times two not done it since (laughs) (laughs) um my last movie that i saw and i literally just just finished watching this before you came around was a tour de force of acting. Ooh. Again, I'm not going to say this is an Oscar-winning, award-winning movie of any kind. Power of the dog. <laughs> so it's going to win. It was a tour de force of um, of acting in this. <clears throat> and this is a movie that came out in 2021 uh, called Surge. Why does that sound so familiar? So it stars Ben Whishaw, yes. who is outstanding. Mm. I I love the guy. I liked him in Paddington. Who are you going to say Paddington? Of course I'm going to say Paddington, James. Liked him as Q. I liked him as Q. I like like this guy in everything he's in. He's so fucking good. This is a really, really good movie that is just very intimate. A lot of the film is just him and a camera or uh, long sequences. There's one sequence that is like just a camera following him over his shoulder circling around, you know, just capturing everything he's doing. I imagine as an actor, and particularly as someone like Ben Whishaw, who's, you know, very, very good at putting himself completely in a role and immerse himself into it mm. and not wanting someone to say, cut, yeah, do it again, but this time come in and do this. Just saying, Ben, just do what you do. Mm. I, I imagine this is every actor's wet dream, this kind of film. Ooh. It's not going to pay the bills because it's an indie film. Yeah. But he's outstanding. He plays, uh, so he's he's basically security at an airport. He works at Heathrow. Um, and when I say security, he's the guy that pats you down when you come through the metal detectors. Yeah. You know, very important job. Um, but in mundane and it's something that you can tell very early on, he's kind of he's on autopilot. His life is on autopilot, you know, just patting people down, make sure they're safe, you know, moving on, next person, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, you know, all this kind of stuff. But you can see that he's kind of becoming a bit detached from reality. You know, it's not boredom, it's not, you know, that he's 
lost, you know, it's more that he's just, I, I think he's kind of very early on, you get this idea that he's just not present anymore. Like in the, like in the constant daydream. And, you know, you follow, uh, you know, Joseph, the character played by Marshall, you follow him home, you see his home life, you see his microwave meals, you see him going up, getting up, doing the same thing, going to see his parents. This is painfully, like, resonate with me. Please tell me no. that's good. No, he, um, <laughs> there are, shoots himself. No, no, it's, uh, <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's the, it's the nine to five kind of stuff. Um, you know, the neighbor that's just revving his bike all through the hours and that, and he doesn't have the guts to go out there and be like, shut the fuck up. What are you doing? You mm. idiot. You know, and, um, the, the, the tension bubbling, um, you know, as he gets in the car of his elderly father who, you know, he's trying to pull out into traffic. They're all beeping him and he's like, just wanting the world to swallow him up because he can't, face the embarrassment of what's going on. And um, he has this thing from the start where he, when he drinks, uh, you know, out, out of a glass, he kind of puts more of the glass in his mouth than, you know, he, he drinks really yeah. weird and like he's losing himself every time he's drinking and it, to the point where he bites down on the glass and that is literally like an awakening. And obviously he cuts himself, he's bleeding. And then the movie then changes to him snapping out of this, this daydream and, just spiraling, out, you know, out of control. And and what what really, really makes this film impressive is it's not a film like The Joker with Joaquin Phoenix where, you know, he's like one day he has enough with society and being the bottom of everyone's shoe and he shoots someone and he becomes this anarchic cat. He's nowhere near that. Mm. It's so grounded in like the the little mannerisms that he does and the, the facial expressions and the, the tics that he then all of a sudden develops. And, you know, the way that the extras are looking at him as if to say, you know, people don't normally act like that or you know, this is a person you see on the bus every day and all of a sudden he's acting a little bit different. It's those subtle things. Mm. And it builds and it manifests into all these, like I say, just getting a bit more and more intense and people at his work start realising he's, you know, he's not he's not the normal Joe, what's going on? You know, is he on drugs, you know? And, and it, it's really, really good. It looks at... On the one, and it, you question it is: is this someone who is self liberating and awakening, or is this someone who is having a breakdown? And it cr- crosses that line, expertly played by Ben Whishaw. <sighs> this sounds amazing. This it, sounds like is, a bit of me. This does. It is so so good. It is. It is. Oh, I loved it. it. It's not everyone's cup of tea. I say this all the time with these indie movies that some people will watch this and in the first twenty minutes be like, "This is boring." It is a slow pot that bubbles and it doesn't go taxi driver. It doesn't go shooting up. A, That's what I know, love. Like it's just, you know, very real. You know, it's like, it's, it's like falling down, you know, where the scenes where he's like, I want the breakfast. You can't, it's like one minute past. He's like, but come on. And he's like, you know, his car gets swallowed by a machine when he's trying to withdraw a fiver. And he's like, well, go to the bank and he goes to the bank and they're like, you know, and it's one camera shot over his shoulder. He walks across the street to the bank and he's like, yeah, you got any ideas? He's like, no, it's at home. He's like, well, I can't do anything about it. He's like, oh, God, I just want five quid. You know, it's like, it's one of them things. It's like real and, mm. you know, and, and um, feels like London. And it has that real kind of, I don't know, um, organic, but also very rich urban feel to it. I, I really, really liked it. I think this is, you know, uh, British filmmaking at its absolute best. And it's Ben Whishaw at his absolute best. Surge. Surge on oh, Netflix. I'm going to add it to the list. That sounds that sounds so amazing. Mm. That sounds like a bit of me. Funny story. So you know, uh, for your birthday episode, I went back and I listened to, I listened to all those episodes. When I back listened to back one, you know, we always do that thing. We say, "Oh, watch that," and I'll talk mm. about it next week. 
the oldest one is I Am Sam, because in episode I said, I watched that and I still haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> well, watch Surge and then watch I Am Sam. Okay. Right. I've got a thing for you just quickly. The only one that I think could count as Surge, and I think you might have seen it because it's got one of your favourite actors in it. It's called Encounter on Amazon, an Amazon original starring Riz Ahmed. Oh, no, this is on my this is on my list. This is, with the two kids. With the two kids. Do you know what? I'm not going to tell you. It, no, no. If I'd had... No, tell me, is it good? I loved it. Oh, I thought it was If brilliant. I got Amazon this week where we did the flip up, yeah. I, this would have been because I've hovered on this no end. Not action. No, no. <laughs> which is which is what I clicked it on. But um you know what? If you really want to watch it, that I'm not gonna tell you anything about it, but I really did enjoy it. It was worth my time and he's brilliant in it. But and there's two child actors in it, they were fact mm. and I you know I love having a go at child actors. <laughs> it's one of your hobbies. <laughs> um and I do you know what I I won't tell you then. That was a great that was great. We've talked good, about do like, you know what my films were actually good to very good. Yeah, not none, none of my three were bad actually. I think if I had to, if I had to rank them, Escape Room is at the bottom. But it's exactly mm. what you think that film's going to be. The trailer sums up that movie exactly yeah. what it's going to be. Mother Android had a lot more to give, and it's a film. One of my favorite thing about film is when it lasts and it sticks with you afterwards. You know, if I'm in the cinema and I'm going out of the building afterwards, or sat in the car going home thinking about it, Mother Android did that. It was a good thing for that. And Surge was was just a fucking brilliant piece of acting so yeah it's good week all in all for me the loft shouldn't have been as good as it was i'm not saying it's a great film like i said but it was a lot more i think about that film a lot more than i mm. thought it was like well this carl urban's called the loft it won't be that impressive um you know encounter which i'm going to was a great movie uh, Brittany runs a marathon when i think about it i just think it's quirky it's fun and the kitchen was just great because i got to see like three basically top actors with Melissa McCarthy, Tiffany Haddish, and Elizabeth smashing it. They were really good in that film. There's one of my favourite scenes in that is like Elizabeth Mars, halfway through the film, is sick of having shit. So when someone comes up to her, she just pulls a gun on him. <laughs> and that's all she does. And he walks off. He's just an absolutely fantastic. So you know what? They're all pretty good films in their own little way. Moonfall? Well, let's <laughs> start to fuck that up. Right. So if you haven't seen Moonfall, I beg you to go out there and watch it because what you've got is you've got something special. Moonfall 2022. Directed by Roland Emmerich. Roland Emmerich, you've done it again. <laughs> He's learned all his lessons, mate, from Godzilla, Independence Day, 2012, the day after tomorrow. You sensing the theme here? Mm. All great titans of their field, mate. Well, Ben Harper sees a mysterious swarm attack the space shuttle he is on and kills his friend. With no power at all, he is able to somehow bring the shuttle back to Earth and land it and save the pilot. Joe Fowler. Nobody believes Brian and he becomes the laughing stock of everyone and is fired. <laughs> this is that's a common theme, isn't it? What's that? This, this is Geostorm. This is what well, I'm just saying, because do you remember? And I'm gonna bring back a few moons ago, we did the Ormond Guide to Surviving a a, a disaster movie. Mm. Someone's been listening because he's got he's a single dad. He's there's an animal. Right. Ten years later, conspiracy theorist Casey Houseman finds proof that the moon is falling out of orbit and is veering closer to the Earth, but no one will believe him, despite it being pretty easy to prove. <laughs> Casey also believes the moon to be a megastructure built by aliens whilst he works in a fast food restaurant. Down on his luck, he decides to plead his case to disgraced former astronaut Brian Harper, who will be able to use his connections with NASA to warn them. Turns out life has not been kind to Brian, who is now divorced, the laughingstock of many, and not paying his rent, the little scamp. <laughs> Shy surprise, the moon is only falling into the earth. <laughs> NASA actually noticed the game is on. It's all to play for. It's time for the moon to fall. 
I mean, as a setup, as a setup, this this could this could be so many things. This could be a Jared Butler movie. It could. This could be a Bond movie. It could. But do you know what one thing it definitely is? Is a Roland Emmerich. <laughs> Ah, everything, mate. Everything I, you can think of is in this film. I struggle with this because, to me, this is Geostorm. Yeah. And someone described, comparison of Moonfall, Geostorm looks like a National Geographic documentary <laughs> on global warming. Uh, one of my notes here is, the film is the worst thing to happen since the Dark Ages. Mm. Um, yeah, science basically can, can can go away. The starring Halle Berry, Patrick Wilson, Joe, uh, John Bradley, Michael Piena. Yeah, he's oh, we've got Peter Sutton. Yeah, and Donald Sutherland. Michael Pena plays um, Patrick Wilson's wife's new fella. Right. So you know he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> no spoilers, but it, yeah, that's going to happen. And Donald Sutherland, not joking, Donald Sutherland is in it for a sneeze. As in, if you sneeze, you will fucking miss him. So why is he in it? Is it integral? <laughs> no, seriously. When you, If you were ever to watch that film, which I pray you will, you, if you, when he's in it, you go, I wonder how much they spent on that. Uh, some of my notes, genuinely, the first one is the greatest film of our age. <laughs> and what, uh, instantly quotable, but I can't actually tell Quote you the quotes <laughs> because it will spoil the ending. I mean, the thing is, this film is an experience. This film is an experience. Um, you can plan, did you know, you can plan, organize, and launch a space rocket with two people, one less engine, in only 28 minutes. Halle Berry's got the power to, right, she, at one point she's in space. She can tell what's happening on Earth with, with no communication. Um, I'm going to be truthful here. The first, the first act was actually boring. Oh. And I thought this isn't the bollocks I signed up for was genuinely disappointing. But the bollocks come, does it? Second and third act are pretty magical when it comes to bollocks. <laughs> um, you, the thing is, though, the second one is what you were expecting. The third act, mate, you are not expecting. <laughs> it's a genuine surprise, which mashes all of the films together. Seriously, Rona's like taken, the, to be honest, he doesn't really bring up Godzilla. I'll give him that. But the day after tomorrow, where he gets involved, Independence Day, 2012, when the earth just decides to shit itself for no reason. I'm saying that he's kind of like shared universe, his story. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, like, because you can't share university events. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah that's what the story, though. There is something about those disaster movies that, and 2012 is, is maybe, yeah, it's maybe the one that did it for me. Yeah. It's the constant running to the airplane yes. as the runway's crumbling. Like, that shit, just after a while, I just get bored of it. So this film's got two child actors, which is shit. Oh, <laughs> and I go. really wanted this to kick, to kick him now. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is Patrick Wilson's range. Halle Berry, I'm disappointed. <laughs> Patrick Wilson, though, he's a, he's a, he's a weird bloke, isn't he? Like, not, he will do good, thing, great indie and shit. The thing is, though, Patrick Wilson, you can tell he's having so much fun in this role because there are, there are lines that the human brain cannot take seriously. But in that third act, mate, and I'm not joking, that third act is special because it, where you get to, I can guarantee you, you're not expecting that. You're like, mm. that's come from nowhere. However... It kind of makes sense, <laughs> which is weird. It's a testament to brilliance. And I'm going to say this now. The definition of a film being so bad it's good is Moonfall. Moonfall has been one of the pleasures to watch. Do you know what? I was not... After I got out of that first act, mate, I had fun. Mm. That film was laughable. This is the sort of film you see with a mate and you rip the piss out. This film's not going to win any Oscars, but it's going to win some hearts, mate. 
And I think that's more important. Moonfall to me was a spectacular viewing experience. I was genuinely upset I didn't watch the opening day midnight launch. I, if I ran a cinema, I would, I, for this screening, I would make it black tie. <laughs> yes. Always, you, and I'd do a but, caviar interval. But you get it. Yeah. You get this level, mate. It is exactly what you think it is. The problem with it is not bollocks enough. That first act, basically, I was genuinely bored. I didn't think, I was like, this, this film promised me so much. Mm. The moon, mate, is so inconsistent, it's as poorly written as a character as the rest of them. <laughs> what? It's, it's so inconsistent, it might as well have been played by Patrick Wilson. <laughs> There's a, I don't want to spoil it. I know I've done some minor spoilers, but I don't want to spoil it. But at one point, the, the moon, literally, I'm not joking, seems to hide. It's like they, they're running from the moon at one point. <laughs> the moon doesn't but, have legs. But then it disappears. But don't worry, because it comes back when it's convenient. <laughs> but then it does just enough so it can fuck off again. <laughs> <laughs> the moon's genuinely my favourite character because it knows the plot. It's is like, it, I need to be here. Is it up for best boy actor, the moon? <laughs> it's your face up there. It should be. Um, and the one thing that you don't say is it was beautiful to get back in space in kind of bollocks. I, <laughs> it was, I I'm miss, not eager to get back up there, James. I, I miss, like Independence Day 2, Resurgence, missed the point of Independence Day. You know, Independence Day was kind of fun and bollocks. Mm. And that's why I think like Godzilla missed it and all these other films. This is like going back to the heart of kind of sci-fi redundancy. You know, it it, it doesn't matter. It, it No one thinks the storyline, mate, it does this brilliant thing. It fucking, it, He-Man's, mate, it sets off for a sequel you know it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not joking, the last line of the film, which I won't say because it, 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 if I said this one line, it would ruin it for you. Mate, I was, I was in the cinema with Esther and I fucking tears coming out of my eyes. It was one of the best viewing experiences I've had for many a time. Which one of the reasons to get back in the cinema is to watch great, big budget bollocks. Yeah. Who keeps giving Roland money? <laughs> well, th but this is reassuring because at the end of the day, like you say, Independence Day is ridiculously stupid. It's not intended to be serious mm. or, or, or like a breakthrough sci-fi movie. You know, it's not Alien. No, it's not, is it? And, and, and you know, and, and because... All of the iconic stuff, blowing up the White House and all that kind of, is, is off played by Will Smith being the action hero of the time, doing the most action hero-y yeah. stuff, and then punching an alien and saying, welcome to Earth. And it downplays any theatre that that movie generates. Yeah. And so we, I always thought Independence Day knew what it was doing. Bill Pullman is offset with Randy Quaid. The whole film was paired in that way. Mm. And so, all right, I didn't like Independence Day, and I've never really liked Independence Day, but I've seen it more times than... Any film I can think of. Citizen that, Kane. Yeah. <laughs> no, but more, 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 more cases than any film that I've not liked. It, it, yeah. it, it's probably one of the top. But at least it knew what it was about. And it sounds like this one is the same. Whereas 2012, I was like, that is a mess of a movie. It kind of takes itself seriously, 2012. But there's no point in Moonfall, does. Mm. And there's so many plots. The thing is, I kind of want to spoil it to you because you're probably not going to watch it. If it's on Netflix, mm. mate, you might watch it for free. And I'm not joking. It's become, a, it's become a Christmas tradition. I've decided to have a tradition and one, one of my traditions is going to be watch a Roland Emmerich film yeah. in my household. I'll be like, right, what film was it this year? And it will be fucking Moonfall because it was brilliant. And uh, it was, like I say, film makes you feel things. That's the basic premise of film. Did I feel like I'd watch something great? Yes. Was it great? No. But mate, that experience, being in that cinema, laughing my ass off at the end. Mm. But in a dead cinema, I'd point out, there's barely anyone in there. So it's almost as if no one wants to see this terrible film. <laughs> what do they know? <laughs> um, but 
a great pop, get popcorn, shovel it into your mouth. That's what it's there for. It was an experience. I hope, the, I hope the last line of the movie is the moon shaking its moon fist going, I'll get you next time and winking. Do you know what? Weirdly, you're not that far off. <laughs> um, moon four. Yeah, I'll, I will go watch it or I'll watch it the moment it's out. Please. Because <laughs> weirdly, I love the fun of it. You'll fucking hate it. <laughs> Talking of... Uh, like awards and stuff. Have you heard that uh, Ben Affleck for Last Jewel is up for the Razzie? I didn't think that's very fair, to be honest. I know he's over the top. I didn't think he was that bad. It is. It, I mean, it's not Catwoman, is it? It's not. Then you should always remember it's not Catwoman. I just thought. I just thought he puts on a bit of a voice. To be honest, I thought he was okay. Well, it was. It was over the top, and it's yeah. Affleck, isn't it? So. Well, that's one with Affleck. You go over the top, or you get nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you want? Apparently, yeah. nothing. Have you watched Book of Boba Fett? No. Are you going to watch it? I, I'd probably, I'd rather watch The Mandalorian. Than watch Book of Boba Fett. Because <laughs> 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 halfway through they're like, oh, I just put The Mandalorian <laughs> back in this show. Honestly, God, because you, you're, you're a, I never, I've never claimed to understand the way your brain works. Okay. Like we'll do an episode on like Harry Potter and yeah. you're like, how's your week been? Yeah, I've watched seven series of Grey's Anatomy. And you're like, what? Like, I don't know why you watch the things you watch. But I do think you should give Book of Boba a go. Sure. Did you watch you watched the Mandalorian, didn't you? I watched the first series of Mandalorian. My problem is I don't have Disney Plus. Esther has Disney Plus, so when I'm around Des- Esther's, I can, but because I've started back at work now, I'm not I'm watching less Disney Plus. Oh uh, so you gotta watch Mandalorian season two. Yes. Then watch Boba. Because you've got to watch Mandalorian season two to get my problem is someone spoiled it for me. So it doesn't matter because it's still it's the journey. Yeah. And whatever happens that has been spoiled happens again in Boba and okay. it's so fucking good. So just so just as a closing point, Boba Fett, is he actually in the book of Boba Fett? He is the first three episodes. <laughs> and <laughs> right, all four episodes. That's Tree- why having Moonfall and not having the moon. <laughs> yeah. I think I've already said this at the top of this episode, but while we're on it, everyone has a memory of Boba of Boba Fett. That Mine's- didn't happen because he didn't do anything in the original movies. Yeah. Then we got the Mandalorian where we're like, God, he's he's as badass as Boba Fett. But Boba Fett never did anything to make us think he was badass. No. And now we do see what Boba Fett does. He's not very badass at all, <laughs> but it plays out like this big Western. So it's back on Tatooine. So it's the dusty snow. Mm. Uh, it's the dusty, sorry, uh, sand planet. You know, there is... Um, it ends like the Magnificent Seven, like different people from different clans coming together to fight off a bunch of raiders or a bunch of bad people that are Mm. coming to the town. It has characters that have come in from the Clone Wars um, animated TV show, which is brilliant. So this character called Cad Bane, who's kind of a reoccurring animated character. It makes live action debut and he's fucking awesome. You've got Timothy Oliphant reprising his role towards it. You've got Tusken Raider backstories where they're not as bad as what they were made out to be in the original movies. You've got some um, characters from Mandalorian crossing over, including some that were in the original trilogy. You have what... Boba Fett does do brilliantly is it starts to shape it starts to make you love the prequel trilogy by bringing in things like so it's no spoiler they're bringing a um, they're bringing a ship and they're like he's, Mandalorian's like what, like what what the hell is this and he's like oh you might not want to see these these were commissioned by the Queen of Naboo and it was one of her prize fighters and you're like fuck it's like yeah it's like the one that it's not the one but it's one of the ones that Anna can use at the end of not, uh, yeah, and I can use it at the end of um, Phantom Menace. Menace. Yeah, and 
and it has uh, obviously because Boba's in it. It has they go back to like um, Camino, which is the clone yeah. planet where they started making all the clones. So you kind of get a little bit of Attack of the Clones in there. There is little bits like he asked the uh, Jar Jar uh, the uh, Jar Jars for a um, for a, uh, a part for a ship, and it's the it's the it's the part that Han Solo uses to stop the trash compactor from crushing them. Oh, that's cool. And so it's got so many nods to like all the different. It's got a Rangor in it, and all, so. Fucking fanboy right is, now, it, isn't it? No, it is. It is honestly it do, for all the fans out there. It's like we're, you're gonna eat all this shit up. But then I can't help but think the one thing we didn't get was good Boba Fett. <laughs> like, and it kills off some fucking characters that are not like big characters, but are instrumental Star Wars characters. Mm. People that you would see in, you know, the uh, the bars, you know, and and um, your characters that you, you the camera will often pan to you know, get blown up and you're like, shit, well, there's no more of that guy then. It always randomly appears in, in certain scenes. My my problem is, and I'm going to say this now, we're going to end on a controversial point here. I've always hated Boba Fett. And the reason for that is, because you remember when Star Wars brought out those, like, walkers, like, disc things? Mm. You could only get him in fucking Doritos and I didn't like Doritos. So, like, Boba Fett will always be the one I never got. So fuck him. And also, I've seen the Christmas special, and she's fucking in that, and that's and that's awful. Yeah, no, this is if you like the the original trilogy, and and you and do you know what as well, it's also paving the way for laying the groundwork for the sequel trilogy as well. So a lot of the stuff about Luke Skywalker in the Jedi Trading Academy and what went wrong, what went you know, and all that stuff. <laughs> what went wrong? He tried to kill his own student, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but um. It kind of starts to pave a little bit of that. So it really is like kind of connected. Like the original trilogy, you don't need to do anything to because everyone loves them and, then, mm. you know. But it's it's almost like putting a, it's almost like hugging the prequel trilogy and said, it's okay. You know, I know I know that second one was bad, but like it's still Star Wars. <laughs> they were all bad. And I know everyone's like upset about like the sequel trilogy because it never is going to live up to the expectation of every Star Wars fans. But it's okay because remember the really good stuff that's still there. We can still have that together. And dude, these Disney shows are killing it. Yeah, they 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 are. Let's be honest. They a year are. year ago, before we had One Division, Loki, Falcon and Winter Soldier, um, you know, obviously Hawkeye. No one, come on, Hawkeye, Mandalorian, particularly Mandalorian season two, mm. um, which I thought was excellent, start to finish, and now this, and Obi Wan is just around the corner. Oh, it's, it's, I'm actually oh. surprised it's taken this long for you to mention that. I, I when I saw the poster for it, I could hear you gyrating, mate, <laughs> from the other city. Just you wait. And it's going to kill me that that's one a week. Animals, mate. One a week, just like this episode. So if you like this episode, why not leave a like and a share and leave a little review. It leave helps us review. out more than you knew could know. See, see how I saved that then? Bless <laughs> you, sir. having a breakdown. <laughs> that is our show for this week, ladies and gentlemen. That is six recommendations and Moonfall. <laughs> so, <laughs> next week, who knows? I, I do have an episode coming up. Mm. A good idea. Okay. We need to do a quiz in an episode coming up. Okay. Where the where the downfall is whoever wins gets to bring to the week following the Blade trilogy. Okay. And whoever loses has to bring Twilight. I, really want to watch Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was trying to think of like some really good stakes for a game. <sighs> High stakes. High stakes. Here we go. Right then. Uh if I don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye.